The KM Community Podcast, bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the KM Community Podcast. I'm your host Oliver Kemp and over the coming months myself and my colleague Eliza Shah will be bringing you the important stories and issues from communities all over the county. If you have a story you think needs to be told, just use the hashtag KMCommunity on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, or you can email me at okemp at thekmgroup.co.uk. This week, the rise of Islamophobia has been talked about a lot in the past few years. The Equalities and Human Rights Commission reported 70% of Muslims they interviewed had experienced religion-based prejudice in 2018. The Home Office announced more than half of religiously motivated attacks in 2017 to 2018 were directed at Muslims. There are over 3 million Muslims living in Britain today, so what's it like to live a life of Islam in a local Kent community? To discuss this and the issue of Islamophobia, I sat down with Safir Khan, the Imam of Nazir Mosque in Gillingham. The KM Community Podcast. So first off, Safir, um, Hope Not Hate, the anti-racism charity, has done a lot of work highlighting the mainstreaming of anti-Muslim hatred. There's been reports of Islamophobic attacks in America increasing since Donald Trump's inauguration, an increased anti-Islam sentiment in the wake of Brexit. And as someone who's at ground level when it comes to being a Muslim and a figure of Islam in the community, is Islamophobia on the rise in Britain? It definitely is. I mean, uh, not only just in Britain, because obviously I was born in Norway um, and I grew up there and then I came here, moved here, uh, started working here as an imam. But even in Norway and uh, I would say most Western countries, there are uh, issues around Islamophobia. And there are perhaps reasons to that. Um, Some of the reasons are obviously the obvious um things that happen on the news um the you know terrorist attacks or any extremist um news that comes up then people do react to that and we do get the news that this has happened but we really get the true message that you know this if there is somebody who calls themselves muslims or some someone in the muslim countries are fighting um you know the practicing terrorism that comes up in the news so people associate that with Islam perhaps sometimes and then we really get a that message in the news that this what is being done is is not you know Islamic it's not the true message of Islam so I think people um, unfortunately associate um, I'm not saying everyone some people then associate those actions with Islam and I think that could promote um, a could play a part in raising Islamophobia um, and as a Muslim growing up in Western countries being b- born in Norway be living here and working here in the UK I am proud and, and extremely grateful that you know the, the, the people of uh, these countries are very open-minded very welcoming um, you know British people are amazing people they we have a multicultural society here also in Norway as well uh, but unfortunately there are you know some sections of people maybe um, who have their reservations and it could be for several reasons maybe what I have seen is that the most cases um, of Islamophobia stem for ignorance and uh, lack of understanding of each other so even if I would not have any understanding of a different religion and I would see something bad happening in the name of that religion then automatically if I don't have that education understanding I could be ignorant as well. Every everybody could be that if they don't don't have that knowledge. So um, 
So I think that that is the case. Uh, the challenge we have um, today, uh, I think all Muslims, is to to reach out and, and remove some misconceptions people have about Islam. And the only way that's going to happen is when we talk to people and when people talk to us. So do you think, I mean, based on that, do you think some of the responsibility falls on the people that are in power? I mean, we talk about Donald Trump, but what about someone like Boris Johnson, for example, our Prime Minister? I mean, you've got him um, previously calling women in burqas letterboxes, writing articles, claiming Islam has put the world centuries behind. That's a that's an actual quote. How does a figure like that hope to represent more than three million Muslims living in Britain today and kind of stop that ignorance from happening? I think that that is a, a very important point that you have raised that uh, yes, you know, these uh, political leaders, uh, people who are in power, they have huge influence. They have, you know, big following as well. Um, just look at the United States, for example, um, other places as well, uh, here in the UK, for example, as well. So being a leader of a country that is so multicultural, where you have so much diversity, people from different backgrounds, you have to be very, very careful uh, with not uh, pitching people against each other, and that's very easy to. That's a very easy mistake to to commit, <clears throat> because uh, you know one comment like that that you mentioned about the burqa. Um, th- there's a different way to 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 raise an objection or or start a debate, which is completely fine. You know, we all have religious freedom. We have freedom of speech. We should um, talk about issues and we should, you know, bring that to the table and try to understand each other's point of view and respect that as well. But um, comments like that, which um, which are derogatory, I believe, and, and damage the respect and the peace of the society, that is, is a huge responsibility for the leaders and... Um, Unfortunately, um, you know, in, in recent times, we have seen that um, far right um, or ex- I'll call it extremist as well, extremist uh, political parties are gaining prominence, power, and this kind of rhetoric is being used to, to you know, incite people to hate rather than you know, in the twenty first century that we live in, we want to wish that you know we have progress and we are now more accepting towards each other we love each other more but this is dangerous um, and it comes from the top it comes from the top it comes from the media because these sources are the sources through which people can be uh, you know uh, impacted that their their views could be changed you know then it's not just a, a British this isn't just a British conversation no, no. is it because we have the same conversations happening in European countries. Um, Absolutely. Some people see the rise of populism as being as being part of that. And, yeah. and um, if it is about changing perceptions, then you, you know, there's a lot of discussions around some of the things that have happened in other European countries. You've had uh, extremist attacks, which then presumably fuel this kind of the, these kind of perceptions yeah. on Islam as a as a religion. Ex- exactly, uh, and and some some countries are really good at at condemning. Uh, extremist extremist acts um, even here in the UK for example when these terrorist attacks happen I quite uh, you know um, clearly remember that um, it was condemned from the highest level that you know this is not Islam and uh, and even Muslims as well you know they they, they came out and um, that's also very important that Muslims themselves as well I mean me as an imam whenever something unfortunate 
like this you know these kind of things happen uh, it is my duty and it is duty for muslims to come out and express sympathy and tell people that look you know what what has happened is is not nice it's not what we stand for it's not what we believe and we're really sorry that this has happened and we're going to stand together we're going to fight this evil together um and let not this um affect our relationships and let not these uh because the the, the aim of these terrorists are uh, sorry is to 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 create that hatred isn't it to to disrupt our peaceful society so so that is a challenge for us so for for muslims also there is a responsibility to come out we can't just be silent and because then people are going to think okay you know they probably agree with this doctrine or they they don't you know condemn it so uh, they have a duty um and then of course uh, you know the the leaders have a duty to um let everybody know that you know this um has happened from individuals who are terrorists who are not religious people because <laughs> you know any religious people would never do this who truly understand you the christianity hinduism buddhism you look at any religion all the teachings are there that uh promote peace and promote you know working together and um treating your brother or sister like how you want to be treated you know so um so so you, your question was around you know um the responsibility of leader, leaders were weren't mm-hmm. it yeah so mm-hmm. so i think yes that that is uh, very very important um and and comments if if somebody makes comments like that then uh then then you know the rest of the people in the country um are going to also you know rise up against uh, the minorities in 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 the country for example in the united states you can see um you know if certain certain rhetoric is being used go back to the country you came from that's a classic um you know racist uh, slogan you know that's that's coming from the the president of the united states you know that but, but mm. i want to kind of go back to something you just said about the british government are very good at condemning these attacks when they happen is there not a level of hypocrisy there though if for example the british government are very good at condemning those attacks but then you have a leader who has said things that could be considered islamophobic in the past many people many experts are saying that we are on the brink of possibly a third world war because of the conflicts and high tensions in all parts of the uh, world really um we have brexit issue which has divided our country uh to 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 a huge you know uh, huge scale and um these things are frustrating and when frustration builds up um uh, things can go wrong so the new prime minister has a huge responsibility of first to bring people together whether it's political reasons whether it's about brexit unite people and when it comes to religious freedom when it comes to religious issues as well to unite people because obviously you know as a prime minister you are the leader of the whole country you're not just the leader of the english people here or the uh white people or the black people the brown people everybody is here as part of your people so you have to find a way to unite all of them and certainly if minorities or certain religious um backgrounds or cultures are attacked um and comments are made of such nature then that um uh, certainly does not help that will cause further uh disruption So a lot of it is about changing perceptions. Yeah. Like I, I know that you have open days sometimes at the Nazir Mosque where you invite people outside the faith to experience it. You know, come into the mosque, see what it's like, mm-hmm. ask questions. You kind of have like a any question can be asked policy. Yeah. What has that experience been like? 
Yeah, so the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, has has always been um, been pushing this idea that the true message of Islam has to go out to people because once they understand it, they will see the difference between terrorism, extremism, and what you know true Islam or true religion is for Muslims. So we have um, you know um, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is established in about two hundred. Uh, countries worldwide and um, we have millions of people of course and all the mosques that we have established our motto is love for all hatred for none that's the motto of our community and we try to push that out to people and we try to implement that in our mosques as well so if wherever there is an Ahmadi Muslim mosque such as we have one here in Jillingham where I am we have been told specifically that this mosque is not just for Muslims this mosque should not be just closed that nobody can come in here except Muslims the door should be open and people from local community neighbors anybody who wants to come schools school children you know all these people they want to come make sure that we uh, facilitate them make sure that we uh, make them welcome because in many villages in many places where we have mosques um, when they are built people have questions people have reservation perhaps that you know wow a mosque is here is it safe you know what's going to happen here so when this mosque in Gillingham was inaugurated back in 2014, uh, the worldwide leader of our community, his name is Hazem Zamasur Ahmed, um, he's a spiritual caliph, a leader of the community, uh, he came and he said that this mosque has been named Nasir Mosque. Nasir in Arabic means helper. So he said this mosque should live up to its name, be a helper for the community. And he said that this is a mosque for the whole community. They can come and see how Muslims pray. They can ask any questions. And he also says that he also said that no pain or no um, inconvenience should be caused to neighbors or the local community. So we had open day. The first open day was that day, and then regularly we have been holding open days where we invite uh, open invitation really to anyone who wants to come and see the mosque. We invite them, we show them around the mosque, um, and some of them say, "Wow, it's the first time we've been into the mosque," you know, into a mosque in our whole life so they're really fascinated they really like the architecture and see how we pray and then we sit down and we have a uh, presentation or discussion I tell them a little bit basic, basic about what Islam is as a religion then we tell them about these issues uh, recent issues you know how we deal with them what we think about that and then we have questions answer, question answers open everybody can ask any question they want and what kind of questions uh, what are the common questions that come up for people in the community? Yeah, loads of different questions, um, such as about you know extremism, terrorism, about burqa, about why women, Muslim women, wear the veil, why we don't eat pork, why we don't drink alcohol, um, such such things. And and uh, after the question answers, there is so much positiveness and so much happiness from our guests as well, because they are they they say that you know we learned so much and. And of course, I mean, we learn from them as well. Um, but but they're just so happy that they were they were able to ask these questions, and they s often say that now we understand that you know your religion is actually so beautiful and peaceful, and it's unfortunate that people are misrepresenting it uh, in this form. And uh, not to forget, at, at every open day we have refreshments, <laughs> we have food. <laughs> That's a very important thing as well. Um, and after that, we have dinner or lunch with with our guests. So. Uh, so yeah, you should come around next time. <laughs> I absolutely will. Um, it's so it sounds like from from what you're saying that the 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 most 
and maybe it's not that surprising that the 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 common thing that people like to ask about is the connection between religious extremism mm. and Islam. Like those people, those those things are the things that people want to know about. Mm. Are people still conflating those two things, or, or they see religious extremism and then they see Islam, and they they're interchangeable in their minds? They, you know, most people know the difference. I think because uh, most British people here, I've what I have experienced is that they are very, uh, you know, informed. Uh, they know how to make the dis- distinction. They have friends. They have colleagues, perhaps who are Muslims, and they know, they know that you know they they're not like that. You know, and we have talked to them, and we understand. They have also been to some Muslim countries and seen that you know there is peaceful societies. You know, people living side by side. Peacefully, so they understand. But then, obviously, there are also people who need that, you know, information. Um, and uh, it it is then the responsibility of the local Muslim communities to, you know, to to give that education or, or that information out at least, so people can make their choices, understand. Um, but yeah, uh, in my experience, I've seen almost fifty percent of the people who come and visit us, they have these sort of questions. Um, which is surprising as well because you think that you know, this this people should know this, uh, but many people don't because, as I mentioned, for many people, uh, their source of information is media uh, and the newspapers and whatever is said here. Really, anybody would go and read the Quran or the Bible or the religious text. You know, people don't usually have time for that or the interest. So then, you know, the best way to understand about people's religions and their beliefs is through talking to people and through doing a little bit of research as well research and these things as i mentioned people probably don't have time for or is not that interesting but talking to people in a forum like that one to one asking a question freely and expecting an answer that's the best way to you know learn so having open discussions exactly because um only it was only yesterday that Harrow Council, which is a, a you know a borough in North London, adopted the all-party parliamentary group of British Muslims' definition of Islamophobia, which is uh, Islamophobia is rooted in racism and is a type of racism that targets expressions of Muslimness or perceived Muslimness. Now, I suppose that's a bit of contentious, a bit of a contentious point for some groups. So the National Secular Society said that this could stop openness and healthy debate around religious practice. I mean, do you agree with the all-party parliamentary group's definition? of Islamophobia there? I think that maybe the definition uh, has raised some questions because of its broadness. Uh, you see, I I fully agree with the part that we we should uh, try to um, you know discourage Islamophobia as strongly as possible, which is understandable. The same with you know uh, any kind of hate, uh, if it's anti-Semitism or any kind of other hate, right? Hate is something that we have to strongly uh, discourage uh, and condemn. Uh, but as a Muslim imam, I often has this I often have discussions with Christians. I often have discussions with uh, with with people from different backgrounds, faith or no faith. And I think it's it's very healthy to have a open discussion. And I think that um, question or questions about for example, in in Muslim, um, when it comes to Islam, people often question about uh, women's right, um, you know, other things that are um, of important, uh, you know, uh, issues. And I think it's important to to, to discuss those things. So we don't want to limit uh, freedom of uh, speech. uh, But I think that 
every discussion, every question, every uh, debate, um, I think ha- has a fine line of respect and uh, tolerance. But having said that, having those two things, you can have an open discussion about any religion, any matter, without disrespecting um, other people. So I am actually, I'm, I'm really happy when people ask controversial questions because that gives me the opportunity to remove some of the misconceptions. It gives me an opportunity to explain what the reason is. For example, what is the reason why a Muslim woman would wear well? Many people think that they are compulsory. It's not compulsory. It's the choice of the individual. And it's not because a Muslim woman is being deprived of her uh, her um, her um, rights. It's actually for moral reasons. Yeah. So same way, these kind of questions are really, really important. And I think that in a society that we live, it's healthy and it's good to have open discussion. Uh, but when it comes to Islamophobia, yeah, we should all discourage uh, hate, whether it's Islamophobia, whether it's hate against Christians, whether it's hate against Jews, hate against any kind of people. We have to, you know, at, at the end of the day, I stand by the motto of our community, which is love for all, hated for none. I guess that's the the, the difficulty mm. um, with finding that line of tolerance, yeah. because you know how can you distinguish between a criticism of a specific part of Islam mm. and um, and discussion and where that criticism could then become Islamophobia? Like who who's making those decisions? Exactly, that makes exactly. it a difficult debate. Yeah, I mean that you can say that if somebody asks a question about this, then you can say it, it is totally wrong to say that that person is Islamophobic because he just questions something about Islam. It is good to question things and it's good to get an answer. But um, one thing is questioning with the reason of questioning and the other thing is to actually make a comment that is derogatory. So I think that you can make that distinction. It's not that difficult. So you can, if somebody is talking to you, the way somebody talks as well, you can understand that this person is not asking a question, is perhaps, you know, putting his anger out or something like that. But um, yeah, as I said, you know, we should... uh, I, I believe that, you know, in an open society, Islam also, as a religion, encourages to debate. It encourages to ask questions. And it it encourages to learn about different pe- uh, religions with the respect. So, uh, on top of my head, a verse comes to from the Quran as well, where it says that, do not ridicule a people, because it could be that, you know, they are better than you. And uh, if you ridicule someone, it could be that they then, in return, ridicule you and, you, you know, your beliefs. So, have that mutual understanding, respect, um, and then there's a verse in the Quran that says, uh, like in Arabic, which means there is no compulsion in religion. You know, if people ask questions and they're happy to follow it, that's fine, that's their choice, but there's no compulsion, there's no force. Everybody is entitled to their own choice. Our matter of religious beliefs and everything is between us and God, if you believe in God, yeah. Mm. And at the beginning of this podcast, you said that um, you believe that despite people uh, engaging in talks on a local level and having their misconceptions challenged, Islamophobia is in general on the rise. Yeah. Do you think with future generations that will start to decrease or do you, or do you fear that it will increase from here on up? That's difficult to say, isn't it? <laughs> Tough question. Um, I think that how, how, how is it's looking now, it's on the increase. I, that, that's the fact. Um, what I hope and pray is that is it decreases, and I think that if we if we do it this way, that we if we follow these basic principles, right, of respecting other religions, respecting other people's choices, 
um, this is not just about religion, it's about everything, right? Uh, we need to get back to to basic and, and do that because we have done that right. You know, we have um, had really, we still have, you know, this beautiful um, society where we have religious freedom. And I think that the more I can emphasize this, uh, it's really, really important. And the reason I'm saying it because my parents, for example, were from Pakistan. They migrated from Pakistan because they could not practice their Ahmadiyya Muslim community, religious faith in Pakistan because of persecution, strong persecution, so much so that people from our community um, get murdered, killed, their houses are looted, they are, you know, um, denied a chance of vote in their country. They cannot call themselves Muslims by name. If they call themselves Muslims or do anything that is Islamic, they can literally go to jail. So religious freedom i think is it's a beautiful thing and and this is something you know when, when my parents as well when when i was growing up they said look you live in a country that has given you refuge you live lived in norway at that time and they said that we really respect this country and we love it even more because more than our country because obviously we were from that country but we could not live there in peace so they always taught me that be always loyal to your your country and always try to do uh, whatever you do, try to um, try to, in some way, play a part in progress of your country and respect your fellow, you know, countrymen. Whether they are Norwegians, whether they are um, Christians, whether they are of different race, color. So, so I think that that kind of message is is really important. That in a society we live, we we're very lucky to have religious freedom. Many countries don't have that. So. So we are not that bad, you know, <laughs> long from it. The, this challenge is, is a big challenge. But um, as I said, you know, we have to go back to the principles, back to the basics and uh, just promote love and discourage hatred together as a united nation. Uh, and that challenge is, is tough for the politicians now to, to first of all bring the country together. Sophia, thank you very much. Thank you. The KM Community Podcast. Bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week.